Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It got on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east. To the Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck, it's been a long time. But welcome back to your favorite one-stop shop for true crime. Real life tales of the unexplained and all thing, all things horror news related. Monsters at Midnight, brought to you via the Zima Podcasting Network. I'm your host, your favorite escaped madman, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. Joined with me, as always, we have the lovely but deadly witch of the North, Jolyn Dormady. How are you today? Oh, I'm just dandy. I'm so happy to be back. Wonderful. And working the switches, flipping the levers, we have the man himself, the evil scientist who is animating this podcast and bringing it back to life. We have Graham Zima. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. You touch that microphone one more time, I will kill you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little rusty, um, so you're uh, bear with me as we get through this together. So I'm fidgety, but we'll get through this together. We have a great show lined up for you. As always, be sure to check out the other great content that is released by Zima Podcasting. I'm done trying to plug every individual show because every time I do, something goes horribly fucking wrong. And we're, so just figure it out. <laughs> we're on a... We're on iTunes. Are we on Spotify yet? Uh, I don't believe Monsters at Midnight is, but Aww. I think there's a few other ones that are. I don't remember the reason why. I mm-hmm. think there's some copyright-related issues with ours that we right. have to make sure we get through. But every oh. most of the other shows, I'd say 85% of them are on Spotify now. Right. But you can find them at their the website, too. We're on iTunes. We're on Spreaker. Um, most of us are on Spotify. And, of course, there is... The actual Zima podcasting website that we have. So without further ado, bolt your windows, lock your doors, and turn out the lights. Monsters at motherfucking midnight rides again for the month of September. Jolyn is very, very happy. I missed the Monsters at motherfucking midnight line. I will, will, by God, we'll get there eventually. (laughs) So we're going to start off this show with... uh, Something very hot, very new, very fresh for you guys. Jolyn and I just saw the movie Mandy, which is, for those of you who don't know, haven't heard the other episodes in the podcast or aren't keeping up with the weird underground independent film scene. Mandy is a film directed by uh, Panos Cosmatos. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think so. Um, Panos. I don't think there's Panos because there's no... Yeah, over the end. Um, Panos Cosmatos, this is his second film. The other film, uh, his first film being called 
Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, Beyond the um, Black Rainbow. This is his second film, which he released earlier in the year at the Sundance Festival and absolutely, absolutely destroyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, got unreal praise for... Um, and why, you may ask. Mandy is a part horror, part action film uh, starring Nicolas Cage as Red, um, the character Red, in a world that may not make a whole lot of sense, sort of like a hyper, uh, hyper extended version of our reality. He or has an acid a, trip. Or an acid like trip, as many have liked to call it, including Jolyn. It is... He is settled in the Shadow Mountains in California with his lovely wife, Mandy, has a nice little lifestyle out there when a group of religious cultists have spotted Mandy and the the leader of the cult, Jeremiah, wants to induct her when Mandy is um, indignant, resistant. They kill her and... This leaves Nicolas Cage's character a broken man, and essentially he goes John Wick on the religious cult. Not only that, the weird Hellraiser sort of biker gang that the cult had enlisted in the help of capturing the two of them. The movie is phenomenal. That's all I'm going to say right now. I'm going to turn it off over to Jolynn, get her full thoughts on it, on why... Not only is Mandy like a super highly reviewed film on Rotten Tomatoes and why it killed at Sundance, why she enjoyed it as a whole. Well, um, first I want to give a shout out to the Oriental Theater of Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film, uh, which now owns the Oriental Theater, just for actually showing that movie because I didn't think I would get a chance. To I know see it I, w- I was screen. super stoked yeah. when when I saw that they were showing it because I thought it was going to be a pain in the ass to actually get to see it anywhere. I know. Um, and when I went, uh, the crowd was actually fairly large. Like, there was mm-hmm. a good amount of people there, um, which I was, you know, I was really happy about because I want this movie to make money, and I'm glad that the Oriental is, you know, still seeing customers. But admittedly, uh, I feel like the big crowd kind of ruined it for me at times because, a l- like, when people see a Nicolas Cage movie now, they just kind of want to laugh. Mm-hmm. And there were parts that were, like, funny, and they were meant to be funny, but I honestly think that Nick Cage put forth a pretty good uh, performance and Mm -hmm. I don't think it really deserved all the laughs that he got. I think people were just too willing to see him as this B movie actor instead of just like taking the movie for what it was, which was fucking art. Like it was beautifully done. And I call it an acid trip because like, I mean, it's distorted, it's layered, but it is absolutely beautiful. Um, The, the effects he used, I don't know. Um, well, I know that Beyond the Black Rainbow was done on 35 millimeter, but I don't know if this one was. This, too. I believe, it was just um, this. I mean, this is the film student, film nerd in me coming out. There was a grain to it. There is a definite grain to it, and mm-hmm. a grain that isn't like a digital effect. Yeah, it is. I, I believe it's shot too. on 35 millimeter. But um, so of course I loved that, and the more I learn about uh, Panos Cosmatos, Cosmatos, yes. however the fuck we say it, um, the more I love him. He just seems to be just such a lover of film, and uh, from how it sounded, he he made Beyond the Black Rainbow pretty quickly, um, like within I think they filmed in three weeks, and uh, but Mandy was written around the same time as Beyond the Black Rainbow, but Beyond the Black Rainbow was back from, I think, 2010, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so he's been working on this film 
pretty much for eight years and it really shows like there's so much effort put into this and you know of course it is grotesque it is really gory and, and you know awesome. the acting is over the top at times you know it is nick cage mm-hmm. and the guy who plays the cult leader i, I don't actually linus roach okay he kills it he is so bonkers which i've i looked him up he his biggest claim to fame is he's on a couple of the law and order shows what the fuck? i know well, I mean, a lot of people get their start there, I mm. guess. So why the fuck not? Um, but no, he he was amazing. Um, and like I said, Nick Cage really killed it. And I think it's a shame if people approach this as just like another funny Nick Cage film because there's so much effort was obviously put into this. Um, apparently, Panos wanted to have uh, Nick Cage play the cult leader initially. Um, That'd be a very different film. Yeah, it would be. It really would be. I think him as the more understated red was good because then when he like freaks out after his wife is like you know are we are we doing spoilers can we spoiler this i mean it's kind of given away in the trailer so i don't consider the fact that and i already spoiled it his wife is killed well i I was gonna say she's like fucking set on fire yeah she's like alive she's burned alive so and so that's like extremely traumatic and so his reaction and this isn't a huge spoiler for the movie you right. can get the gist of that from the trailer okay. so this is, i feel like that's a dip in kinda, the pond i don't remember uh, the if, trailer if you uh if we go into something that's more spoiler centric i will uh, okay. we will uh say make say, that yeah. known okay <laughs> but um but yeah so You know, there's a scene right after when Nick Cage is, like, screaming. And he's just screaming for, like, too long, it seems. And so, of course, with this big audience, a lot of people were kind of chuckling because it's Nick Cage and he's just yelling and, you know. See, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually my favorite scene in the movie. It was really powerful. I thought he did a good job. I'm like, if my fucking wife was set set on fire in front of my eyes... I would probably be screaming and drinking a bunch of vodka too. I know, yeah. He this this scene. This is a bit. Of, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but it's a fantastic scene in the movie after it happens, where he, well, for originally he goes to sleep, but he has a nightmare and wakes up, and he goes into the bathroom with a bottle of vodka, and it's it's a it's one take, mm-hmm. and it's about three minutes long of him just drinking the vodka and like screaming and crying and just. Yeah. No dialogue, no music, mm-hmm. just pure unbridled emotion. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, me too. Well, and like, I'll, I mean, I guess I'll mention this now instead of during Hereditary, like when we, we touch on that, because um, how can you not? Uh, but um, the audience, when I first saw Hereditary, was a bigger audience as well. Mm-hmm. And something I've noticed is that when people don't understand things in certain horror movies, if they can't relate, they laugh because it's like scary and they're trying to sort of like, Oh, this is fine. You know? Right. But then when that becomes sort of a group think, I feel like it really kind of taints the experience because, and it's like, I get it. Like if you're at home and you know, something seems silly and you're just giggling about it, it's fine. But when you have like a whole crowd of people just sort of laughing at inappropriate times in a pretty serious movie, Mm -hmm. because it's, and that's the thing is like, as I was leaving both theaters, you heard people sort of saying, like, what the fuck was even going on? I don't get it. You right, know? yeah. And it's just like, well, then, oh, God, why do these people? Which is why? weird because Mandy, 
as as beautiful as Mandy is and as well as the execution is, Mandy is a traditional revenge story. Yeah. Like it's not it's really not breaking any new ground in terms of story yeah. or screenwriting necessarily. It seemed but pretty easy to follow to me, other than like exactly. some of the imagery, you know. The, but... Some there are some things um which I've discussed with other people and reflected on myself, but there are some things that I believe are left up for interpretation. There is symbolism that is there, but I will, I think I've said it on this podcast and uh, other podcasts. Um, it's something I truly do believe that execution is the most important thing, R- whether or not the story is breaking new grounds or uh, whether it's something pretty rudimentary like the story from mandy i think it's all in the way you execute it and the way you bring something new to the table and the way you make it engaging and that's where so many horror movies fail i feel like well um panos actually i don't remember which interview um i might have been reading about beyond the black rainbow i'm not sure but uh at one point he quotes ebert uh in saying it's not what a movie's about it's how it's about it and I, I think yeah, that's I so like that. concise and beautiful. And I it, agree with that. I mean, and it really shows in his filmmaking. Um, also, for listeners that don't know, I, I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, Panos Cosmatos's dad is also a filmmaker, and he's very like successful. So um, I didn't know that. Either. Okay, um, I I didn't until I read about it, but it's it's fairly. Um, easy to find i forget what his dad's name even is so that's a that's a shame um but he did stuff like tombstone uh escape to athena and even one of the rambo films oddly uh oh george p cosmatos there we go yes holy shit i wouldn't have even made that means he made i need to google this (laughs) i need to google this this is something that's honestly i can keep talking because yes please do um but apparently he was saying that he used some of the tombstone residuals to uh, fund Beyond the Black Rainbow. That's amazing, yeah, first yeah. off. Mm-hmm. I've not seen Tombstone, but I've heard nothing but good things oh, about so good. Tombstone. So good. Um, I would like to see it at some point, being a Kurt Russell fan. But that means his dad directed one of my favorite Sylvester Stallone movies. He directed Cobra. Yep, yes, he did. Cobra's so fucking good. I'm so glad that, that is amazing. Is I did so not good. know that. Wow. Yeah. Which is weird. that's really funny because Mandy is objectively a much better film than Cobra. It's really interesting to see the director he's t- or ex- mm-hmm. the route that he's taken yeah, as a director different. because his his dad. I mean, I've heard great things about Tombstone, but. Rambo 2 and Cobra are not exactly redefining the wheels of cinema. They're like, they are nothing but... I think he purposely tried to do things that were more blockbustery for the sake of, like... Right, yeah. ...making more money. But, I mean, he taught his son well, apparently, because... That is incredible, and I would not have made that connection. That is... Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, Everyone should see Cobra, by the way. Cobra is I haven't seen Cobra, so... I mean, it's oh, bad, yeah, but it's, to. like, amazing. <laughs> bad and good can be simultaneous, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, let's see. Do, do I have any other rantings to do? Oh, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, apparently he wrote Mandy, like, right after the death of both of his parents. So that was, like, oh, sort of man. a thing. Yeah. Um, sort of inspired him to do that, to have more of, like, a revenge film. Because, I mean, Beyond the Black Rainbow is... 
the the way I because you guys haven't seen it, have you? I have not. Okay. No. Um. To me, it almost and like they're not the same movie by any means, but it almost seems like Beyond the Black Rainbow is sort of like about the cult and how the cult got started, mm-hmm. and then Mandy is what happens after the cult gets like violent. Okay. Um. I don't think they're that they're supposed to be that closely connected necessarily, mm-hmm. but there are definitely similarities there. Um. But yeah, I, I need to check out that. Uh, beyond the black rainbow yeah beyond the black rainbow if you haven't seen it um see that see mandy in i mean my opinion, i will i will follow this director everywhere now yeah no that i've seen mandy he's phenomenal and I, I hope he goes on to do great things but i definitely think like how thought out mandy was added a lot to it because beyond the black rainbow is good but it doesn't have the strength that mandy has okay. uh, mandy is definitely more like developed and you know obviously time-wise it is as mm-hmm. well so yeah it's very apparent um and one other thing that uh, Panos was quoted saying was Black Rainbow is an inhale and Mandy is an exhale. Okay. So, and I could kind of see that because okay. it's like beyond the Black Rainbow kind of, it's like he was fine tuning his abilities and seeing what he could work with. Mm-hmm. Um, because before that he hadn't made any films and he, yeah. the only things he ever did were like experimental things that he never showed anybody. Right. So and it, it it's crazy to think that this is his second movie. Yeah. Like that it's, is it's unreal. So I just advise the audience, you know, don't let the Nick Cage role make you think that this is just some schlock. It's not schlock. It is a, Oh, it's so good. And even art. like <laughs> so what good. I will say is that there are there are a few Nick Cage what people have come to establish as Nick Cagey moments. Oh yeah. But I think What's so great about this movie is the understanding of the reality it's established and the actors that it's working with. Yeah. So since Mandy re- exists in this sort of this hyper-realized version of our reality, someone like Nick Cage, who is always right at 110%, fits right in Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't even like seem weird because the whole world is weird and that's why i think that's one of the one of the many brilliances about mandy on top of just like the gorgeous visual visuals um and also uh one thing that stuck out to me was uh johan johansson's uh score which Mm. is actually his final recorded score before he unfortunately passed away i did not realize that no he passed i want to say i think he overdosed oh um which is very sad because johan johansson if you don't know him i want to say provided scores for movies such as prisoners and arrival and he was actually supposed to do the score for blade runner 2049 oh i could kind of see that the whole time i was watching mandy i was like this is the score we should have got for blade runner 2049 because that's the other thing about mandy and the other reason why it appears to my slutty interests is because (laughs) it takes place in 1983 oh yeah and it's not like it's not like overt it's not like everyone has a mullet and is wearing a thriller jacket but like the influences are there and it, it stems into the soundtrack it has a very brooding and synth heavy soundtrack that not only exists in this world that's like in, obviously inspired by science fiction novels from the fact that Mandy is reading s- science fiction novels to the, like the chapter headings that mm-hmm. parts of the movie have I loved those those were so cool the font choices even everything everything about this movie is so meticulous and mm-hmm. like calculated that it, it's it's awe inspiring 
It really is. And it's um this isn't really much of a spoiler either, but there is like some sort of depth and symbolism too for being such a straightforward revenge story. There's this is something I didn't even realize right away, but I was talking to my roommate Brian with um there's a scene earlier in the movie, Nick Cage is wearing a t shirt that has a tiger on it. Later on in the movie, oh, after yeah. after the craziness has ensued, he's meeting with a character played by Richard Brake, who you may know from 31, Rob Zombie. We're, we're still trying to get you on the podcast. <laughs> um, where Richard Brake lets loose a tiger and says, go be free, as if a symbolic setting free the tiger that is Nick Cage. I didn't make that connection I either. didn't either until I talked with it about Brian. And there's more stuff about that too, which stems in, stems in which I won't spoil, I feel stems into the final shot and the whole like presentation of this world that they have created. There's a there's a, a depth to Mandy that I, I honestly need to see it again. And I would love to see it again to uh, pick up more on it. Let's do that. We're going to do that. Yes, please. Someone who wants to. Yes, please. Um, oh. So yeah, um, go see Mandy, um, especially if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. Mm-hmm. This is a role that Nicolas Cage. Um, it's kind of boring to fill, and yes. I, I had heard that before this movie came out, and I was a little bit like, "Oh, this is gonna be so over the top," and I'm just ugh. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I was ugging in a very good way because obviously I was gonna fucking see that movie and probably right. love it. Yeah, but this, you know, there was like I said, it was so much more artistic than I had even anticipated, mm-hmm. and. This filmmaker, I just I want him to make a billion more things. Yes, he he just has such a such a connection to the art that he makes, and it's it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, um, but see, I felt this, a similar way when it was first doing the circuit and Sundance. Um, I was I was like, oh, uh, Nick Cage is in another movie, and like you you guys on the podcast probably know, I am a huge Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. fan. I will follow follow that man. Every mostly everywhere. I won't see a lot of the stuff that he makes, but yeah. uh, when he's good, I think he's really good. And even when he's bad, I still think he's a lot of fun. Um, so when I was hearing about it, I was like, okay, whatever. He's in a revenge movie, but then this movie's getting unreal praise, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be something to this. Mm-hmm. And then the fir- the trailer came out, and I was like. This is going to be insane. Yeah, I knew it'd be nuts, but I didn't. I, didn't I know, and that's that. yeah. When I and when I finally saw it, I was like, "This is far more than I could have ever anticipated." Mm-hmm. The, and the tra- like, if you've seen like the trailer and you're like, "Oh, I, I like what uh, like reservations that because well, a lot of trailers instill that fear that you've seen all the good bits already, right. but not even close. not even close. You have so much more in store going to see Mandy. Um, I was also before we're done on this subject. I don't know if you had more to say, but. Lately, I know we've all been seeing a lot of movies either set in the 80s or reminiscent of the 80s right. or trying to replicate that. Um, I just saw a film recently, Summer of 84, I think it was I've called. I've heard about that, yes. Um, Especially since with like the advent, advent of Stranger Things yeah, and Stranger then the, Thing, the it, new It yeah. came out. Um, so that was really like... A lot of movies seem to be doing that all at once. And I mean, they remade or they did Blade Runner 2049 this right. year. You know, it's just a bunch of, bunch of stuff. Uh, that's just very like eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so admittedly when I, cause I, I'm pretty sure it's introduced right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I know it is in beyond the black rainbow too. the date that yes. it starts, which is 1983. Yes. Um, so I AD was specifically, yeah, AD. um, 
I was a little bit turned off by that initially because I was like, oh, great, a fucking another one, you know? Right. Because it does seem to be a sort of trend. But um, in this movie's defense, it's really not much of a plot point. I think it's just sort of like happenstance. You know, you can, you can barely tell that it's the 80s in this film. And that's the thing. It's like that's what I, I thought was so cool about it was it's like apart from the fact that there's like and it's you, filmed you can, like a movie from the seventies. Yeah, it's like, and you can see like they have turntables. In fact, there's one scene where they actually use the turntable. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil that. And like the soundtrack is a little bit. The 80s soundtrack is eighties influence, but apart from that, um, the only other real thing is the fact that Mandy wears like old metal T-shirts. Yeah. Like, uh, other than that, it's really not like uh, Black Sabbath and Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say Jethro Tull, and I was like, that's not right nope. at all. Um, <laughs> That's about it. But I think what's brilliant about it taking place in 1983 is that so many... You look back at uh, a lot of horror movies and even like movies for kids in the 80s, they all have this weird, just like... I don't know if it's because of all the coke in the 80s, but (laughs) the 80s was a prime time for movies that were just fucking weird. Yeah, And I almost feel like it's not so much a tribute to like the decade where like you look at something like stranger things where it's like, Oh yeah, they're all dressed up like ghostbusters came out the same year and the soundtrack. And And, yeah, it's like, it's just, it's more a tribute to the fact that the eighties gave us like what? Evil dead Two, labyrinth Mm -hmm. uh, fucking Hellraiser, Beetlejuice, all these weird fucking movies that couldn't exist in a time like now, yeah. like if if Beetlejuice came out now, people would be like, "You're, oh, they're trying to make a weird movie that came out in the '80s," and that's <laughs> what I feel like Mandy is trying to do, but it works really well. Yeah, I don't know that that was just my take on it. At I think least. I briefly remember um, reading, and I I didn't write this down, of course, um, but I think the soundtrack was something like he was. He had made the soundtrack in his mind, um, but it was something like 70s music in the style of the 80s was what he was shooting for. And That's, that film yeah. that film kind of felt that way, like a, or except opposite, like a 70s movie set in the 80s. I don't know. I get what you mean, because like oh, the 70s was... <laughs> everything okay? Yes, okay. The 70s was slower and more methodical in terms of filmmaking, yeah. whereas 80s was all about like weirdness and delivery and stuff like that, which I think rings true to Mandy as well. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like, but that's like carry over. Like it takes place in 1983. I like I'm a firm believer that everything in this movie was intentional. Mm-hmm. The beginning of each decade. It's still the previous decade in my mind. And that's oh, yeah. not that's not just the eighties. It's like you look at the early two thousands. Yeah. The early two thousands were the fucking nineties. And even if you look at the, the you look at the early nineties, it's still the eighties. Yeah. And it was the same thing for the early eighties too. You look at like going back to Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Sylvester Stallone movies is called Nighthawks and it came out in 1981, but everyone still has bell bottoms and is listening to disco and point. like wearing big fur coats. It still looks like the 70s, but it's not anymore. And I honestly I think that rings true to this movie too is it's it's a perfect blend of those two styles of filmmaking and even the way it's segmented in like two halves where the first is very slow 
and like sort of rape and revenge and that by the end you're in full, full tilt like gore splat stick right. horror kind also, of territory like, i know i briefly said this but let's just bow down to the gore used in this movie oh it's um, so good holy fucking shit so good the <laughs> and it's like because it's practical right it yeah, is no, it definitely oh 100 percent is and, oh, there are only God. a few shots in that movie that had oh. to be processed it was so it's good. It's so good. Um, again, this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. The chainsaw fight. Yeah, there's a fucking chainsaw duel, you guys. It's fucking real. Uh, just it, see it for that. Just see it for that. real. And the whole, like, the, the whole, like, giant shiny battle axe. He pro- oh, he, hell fucking yeah. He melts himself. Oh, my God, I know. That's the thing is, like, the first half of Mandy is, like, really introspective methodical slow and creepy filmmaking and beautiful and then the, and beautiful and then the second half of it it's like yeah fucking gore decapitation yeah. it's like yeah. it's, it's like two literally movies my brian uh my roommate brian my brian like i just <laughs> said brian. my roommate brian when he first saw it was like that movie was wild and it was literally made for you and i'm like yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I felt I, like a different person after that movie. I know, and like, and th- that's the more I think about it. Is it's like it gave me both. It gave me the creepy, like atmospheric buildup, mm-hmm. and the totally batshit insane payoff yeah. that it needed. Gore Central. Yeah, no, it's oh, so good. Again, check out Mandy. Hopefully, it's in a theater near you. Um, if you're in Milwaukee, I don't know when this is being released, but it's probably still playing at the Oriental. Yes, go see it at the Oriental. It's so fucking cool that they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw a trailer for it before I saw Slice, so I was like, I know what I'm seeing at the end of the week, um, and we'll talk about Slice later in the show. We're going to be talking about everything today. Yes. Strap in. Yes. Um, please, go see Mandy. If you're a fan of horror, gore, experimental filmmaking, and Nicolas Cage, there's literally something for you in this movie. So glowing recommendations on Mandy from me and Jolyn. Now we're going to move into the next topic of the show, which we briefly touched on for, uh, mentioning I just spilled shit. All oh, wait. Myself. Okay. So before we introduce the topic, I'm going to say spoilers about hereditary. Yes, we are. We are going to spoil hereditary um, because even if we did like discuss this topic without um, any other introduction, um, yeah, once we get into this topic, it's kind of a spoiler on... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm really derailing the whole show. <laughs> I do not know how I did this. I just spilled, <laughs> spilled something all over the floor. Oh, smooth. But yeah, anyway, so spoilers on Hereditary. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it before you... Uh, Sorry, Graham. Before you listen. You're fired! Thank you. Tune out for a little bit, guys. Um. Yes. Because uh, that moves into the next topic of the show we're going to present because I brought up Slice. Jolyn brought up Hereditary. And that's the thing is Hereditary has been out for a while now. Mm. It's been advertised as the modern-day Exorcist, one of the scariest movies ever made. If you haven't seen it by now and you're a horror fan, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. <laughs> like, that's on you. Slice, I'm going to spoil less because it only showed one night at the Oriental. I don't think it's getting a huge release. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um so, but we're going to touch on a topic that Jolyn is very excited about. I'm excited about too, even though I don't know how much I can bring to the t- table because I'm dumb. Ah, come on. Um, we're going to be talking about witches. Witches in popular culture, witches in cinema, witches 
in general because our lovely co-host is in fact a witch and that's in a great way not like a like the b word Um, (laughs) so we're gonna be talking about witches and you want to just start off with hereditary then yeah okay Okay, so i mean i hand it over to you then okay if you've seen the movie you know why that's a spoiler because in the trailer none of us fucking knew that there were gonna be witches in this movie uh that this it looked like you know a possession movie and that looked like all it was going to be um but it proved to be so so much more um i guess part of it that i don't know if a lot of listeners know because i definitely didn't pick this up and the only reason i did is because i uh i got a copy of the dvd and blu-ray and it was a part of the featurette but the husband is supposedly starting out as uh annie's psychiatrist that's how they met um and i've only seen hereditary once so i feel like if i watch it again i could probably pick up on well, that that's the thing is I, I i saw it twice in theaters and i watched it once more after seeing the special features and i was still like i don't think there's any mention of this oh, at really all. yeah i think they totally managed to gloss over it and that's spoiler alert to my opinion i have quite a few problems with hereditary. Oh, but no, please, here we go. I, I like hereditary. Uh, I'm also going to say I like hereditary, okay. but please continue. Okay. Um, well, all right. Uh, there were one thing that I kind of don't like about a lot of modern horror movies is I feel like they're trying to put in a lot, like almost, almost too much detail sometimes because it's just like, you know, you can only introduce so many plot points and keep your, audience interested you know um and because obviously one of the plot points got completely left out which i think is pretty fucking relevant to the rest of the story then maybe in a sense this movie kind of overdid it in terms of like all the factors that were playing into it Mm -hmm. but adding on to that um i love that about this movie simultaneously i mean i hate that in a lot of other movies because they don't really play it out well but in this like Every bit seemed relevant and every bit seemed to add more to the story that I think was good. I do wish that that kind of plot point was more included in the film um, because I do think it was a really big factor in this movie about how, you know, there could have been, I, I think there's room for interpretation here that the whole family could have been just fucking nutso. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just with different sort of mental illnesses right. and, so I think that's, you know, in a sense that could be like an allegory to the like Puritan witch trials, you mm-hmm. know, where everyone was just crazy. There weren't any real witches, um, which is an interesting aspect by itself. But, um, you know, if you just take what this movie gives you and this like demon mythology behind it, I find it really interesting because they use like a real um sort of kind of like a myth like a an actual uh what was it um uh, i mean it's payment which is like a, mm-hmm. a god right um from oh i don't know jolene is the only one who takes notes and she's going to i guarantee be very upset with herself for the next few weeks that she could not find this <laughs> meanwhile i'm over here totally flying blind all the time so i'm cutting her slack cut her slack thank you jolyn cut yourself slack 
Um, You'll get through this. Okay. Just there, there is a lot of truth in the mythology that they used uh, of this god Payman, um, because there is a lot of like literature about this god. Um, you know, dating back all the way, I think, until since like the 1500s. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did their research, and I think that's interesting because I mean, a lot of like witch-related films they don't do their research you know it's, it's true, just yeah. sort of like you know fun whimsy oh they're witches haha and they're just green and, and like a broomstick and yeah and like the symbol that they keep referencing in the movie like the payment symbol yes. that keeps recurring that's like the actual symbol that was used in the in the literature so mm. um i think that's interesting never mind i i was going to say something realize i was wrong and okay please continue <laughs> okay um but also one of the like older scripts about Payman reference him as being of a male body but a feminine face or mm-hmm. like a woman's face. So I think that's really interesting in terms of like the embodiment of Charlie versus it being put into um Alex Wolf's character, which is escaping me right now. I've um, only seen the movie once, right. so I do Shit. not remember. I should have taken really. better notes. I don't remember either. Um but you know, uh the brother. Yeah, the brother. So, you know, the, that was another reference to this this old god of the underworld or something. No, I think he is like, he's like the god of partial, uh, like, something to do with the heavens, something to do with hell. He's like somewhere in the middle, something weird. Anyway, I, I didn't I didn't take enough notes this time, I guess. But um, You're fine. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can but, see it happening already where immediately we get texts after the show being like, oh, I was so unprepared. Uh, and- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, so this, this part of what happens in the movie is that, you know, Payman is residing in this girl, Charlie. She... I'm sorry, Graham. You're tuned out, right? Graham hasn't seen Hereditary yet. Graham doesn't watch movies. Right. <laughs> um, but so after Charlie dies, then um, the the coven of witches is trying to put payment into Alex Wolf's character, the, the brother, mm-hmm. um, because they want this being to be in a male body, a stronger male body, um, because supposedly it wasn't supposed to be put into a woman's body in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so new subject. Um I found an article that was sort of comparing this to the experience of a trans person. Oh, and I didn't okay. like other people that I, I've known who've seen the movie uh, made a bit of a connection there. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. Um, there are obviously like, that's, pr- that's very interesting to think about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a factor and that's kind of what I'm saying is like, there's so many, there's so much room for interpretation in this movie. It's, it's hard to tell what the intention was or if it was just sort of like this, me um if it was just sort of like you know a a somewhat straightforward horror movie because on the surface it was too i mean yes a lot like annie um tony collette's character she's crazy Mm -hmm. um and that's revealed throughout the film also it kind of seems to be that her grandmother was a little bit or her annie's mother was a little bit crazy um her brother was and so yeah, there's there's a lot to take in in this in this film. There there are a lot of factors, um, and it's hard to tell what's relevant to what. Like the fact that she makes miniature houses, I right, I've yeah. still to this day not decided whether or not that's relevant to anything else in the film, other than right, like yeah. it being like an art form and her sort of like working through her and a great issues. opening shot. Yeah, yeah, no, I loved it, and that's the thing is like I loved this movie, but I 
I am still so confused and I feel like I'm missing so much, you know? Fair enough. Okay, I'm done with my opinions because I didn't, I don't have enough here. Uh, I'm the Even one that I... shows up with loose leaf paper with meticulous scrawled notes and I'm somehow wrong. <laughs> I'm not even sure what this podcast is. And... <laughs> so you think you're unprepared to say. <laughs> I fucking just spilled shit all over the floor. And she's like, oh, I can't find the history of payment. <laughs> oh, fuck. You're right. Okay. Anyway. Um, so those this are. This is why I invited Jolyn to co-host the <laughs> podcast. Because, goddamn, we need a female perspective. Because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Uh, I, yeah. I have a lot of, I have a lot of opinions, as always. Um, and I mean that in a, like, not just because we're dumb men. Be- you're not Because dumb. Jolyn actually brings a hell of a lot to the table. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm dumb. You're not dumb. <laughs> you stop that. Um, I I liked Hereditary. Okay, and now tell me why mind, you don't. I, uh, well, that's not necessarily <laughs> it. Keep in mind, this is coming from. I saw this movie when it first came out. Mm-hmm. June was it? June? Yeah, was so. it June? Think, yeah. It had, June, May, something. I think like it was that. June. I saw it when it first came. February. Okay. <laughs> Whenever the fuck it was. No, it had to be May because oh. certain events in my life dictate the fact that it was May. Okay. Um, so I, that's, it's September now, if you've been keeping score. <laughs> and I've seen it once. Okay, yeah. Um, and a lot, keep in mind, a lot of this is st- stuff that I realized in retrospect, not even stuff that I was... Because when I saw Hereditary, I was fucking terrified. Mm-hmm. Hereditary, start to finish, has an atmosphere that makes you uncomfortable, gets exceedingly worse... And has a relatively decent payoff in the final third climax. I had to cover my eyes a few times. Yeah, like there, it makes you uncomfortable. Sound design, content-wise, in general, is very good at making you uncomfortable. Hereditary is a good horror movie, and I'm not trying to knock it for. I'm not trying to be like that one guy that's like, oh, comparing it to The Exorcist is fucking bullshit. Because first off, I don't even think The Exorcist is that scary. But it also came out in 1974 versus today. I'm not trying to be that guy. What I will say is, since we're going on spoilers, everything after Charlie dies, I find to be. While well executed, very by the numbers. Mm. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that even from the beginning, you can't identify with this family because the grandmother dies. The whole it, the whole movie starts with the grandmother dying mm-hmm. and the family just descends into this weird madness because eventually Charlie, the daughter, dies and it's a, unveiled that there is a sinister plot of witchcraft behind this family. From the very beginning, I could not identify with this family because when the grandmother dies, they're all kind of like, like, uh, and I was like, okay, so, and I thought maybe that was a deliberate choice. Like, okay, so the grandmother was a piece of shit or like they didn't know the grandmother that well, but the whole movie like, even, like, be, the whole movie up until Charlie dying, they're still like that all the time. And it's like, okay, if the grandmother dying didn't matter to you, why are you all acting like you're you're on, like, pins and needles? Like, why are you acting like there's something wrong? And they do go into that. 
it's revealed that, again, really going into spoilers here, it's revealed that at one point the mother, whether sleepwalking or intentionally, tried to set Charlie and the brother, who we can't remember the name of, <laughs> on fire. So, okay, so you're all right, okay, when you learn that, you're like, okay, so this family is kind of on edge. That's where, like, you brought up the fact that uh, Gabriel Byrne's character it was a psychiatrist. Yeah, that's husband. where that would have been nice to know. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, disconnect in the family that I think... And that's why, been. like, when... The second when Charlie dies, which, for me, is one of the best moments in horror oh in the God, last I few know. years. Holy fuck. Is, it's so good. Like, Alex that, Wolf. That alone... I want to see him do so much more, too. I, I agree. Wolf. And that he little girl, so too, well. is really good, too. Yeah. That chunk alone is worth seeing the movie because it is a phenomenal, like, 20 minutes yeah. of film where it's disturbing, haunting, heartbreaking, everything that horror can and should be. Um, but after, after the fact of Charlie dying, then it's like, okay, so the mother is the hero. Kind of. That's the thing is it never had a for me it never had a clear focus on who the ho- the hero was because yeah. we're spending the most time with the mother but she's kind of fucked up and kind of nuts whereas the brother made a mistake in letting Charlie die or it wasn't even his fault I mean it was kind of his fault I'm I'm not trying to spoil the entire movie for everyone but the brother is more sympathetic but we don't spend as much time with him right you and then. Because the whole time the father is the only one that seems to be, like, totally removed from the equation and totally having his shit together. Yeah. Which is understandable if he is a psychiatrist. Yeah, which that that definitely should have been included a little yes. bit more. Or at all. <laughs> but then, like, for me, it kind of started to fall apart the more the fact that the grandmother was a witch was revealed. Because th- through, like, uh, loss counseling, the mother meets this woman who just whether it was the grandmother's will or whatever else happened to be a part of the same cult that the grandmother was a part of. Mm. And so she starts leading the family down this weird path as well through seances and trying to get into contact with Charlie. And the whole thing being very well executed didn't really add up to me because at the very beginning, or I forget if it's after Charlie dies or before Charlie dies, they find that that symbol, oh, yeah. and they're kind of like, oh, whatever. And at the very beginning of the movie, the mother is looking through this, about to look through this photo album, and she's like, nah, fuck it. Like, uh, I didn't like my mom anyway. And then later on in the movie, she starts looking through this photo album and finds all this incriminating shit. And it's like it's stuff like that for me where it's like, okay, if it's there the entire time and they're not asking questions, why aren't they? Yeah. That it's it's stuff like that where it's like Hereditary, I think, is a fabulously executed film and has an excellent twenty minutes. But my problem with it is it peaks too early. And when it becomes a traditional witchcraft story, while still engaging, I don't think it's necessarily as and you bring up a lot of stuff about symbolism, whether it's trans culture mm. or uh, pan history, which is stuff I didn't pick up on. Again, I've only seen the movie once. I've, yeah, <laughs> I would like to see it more. I, I brought Graham the, 
the Blu-ray. So. So you're probably mad at me right now. Is no, what you're saying. no, no. I like I, I I'm picking up what you're putting down because well, I there were I mean like I said there was a lot that I felt was kind of lacking in terms of the information given, so I think like you know maybe because the biggest the, thing to me is then like once you find out that the the grandmother is a witch the mom being kind of nuts and almost setting her kids on fire mm-hmm. almost seems like a red herring yeah. like it doesn't even seem to matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was kind of hoping that, like, um, the witchcraft element wouldn't necessarily be a factor. And that's why I think the room that there is for interpretation is important. Because it's like, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of, like, b- because even at the end, I mean, I know it, it seemed to be, like, the finalized ending. I still kind of think that maybe the whole family was just a little bit nuts. You know, I think, and that's fair. And maybe that's something I would pick up on more on a, another viewing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to knock this director or this screenwriter. Um, same dude, I think. Is it okay? Well, I'm not trying to knock him. Well, I don't... and that's why I thought it was funny that you were saying that you didn't feel connected to the family because because if I'm being honest, I kind of didn't either. It's like, you know, initially I was just like, okay, you know, Charlie is the person that we're supposed to feel like compassion for. And she's out of the picture. And then I was like, okay, then maybe we're supposed to identify with the brother, uh, Alex Wolf's character. Mm. Uh, but then, of course, the focus pretty much the whole time was Tony Collette, which, holy shit, like, obviously, if you've read any of the... I mean, she the, gives a great performance. Yeah, if you've read so. any of the reviews, you know how goddamn well Tony Collette did in this movie. Um, and I mean, like, the some of the gore stuff at the end, I mean, it wasn't, like, super duper gory, but, like, the head fucking sawn off scene where you don't yeah. actually see the head fall off, but you hear it. Yeah. Oh. God, that well, was so good. And that's the thing, too, is it's obvious a lot of passion and ambition went into this film. I'm not yeah. trying to knock anyone against it. Everyone acts their ass off. It was maybe dir- just, like, a little hastened at the end. Yes. Like, maybe I it's mean, too, too much of a neat little bow, and maybe there should have been... I just feel I when know, it... Or less. Maybe there should have been less. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I, I, I like hearing your take on things. Um, because I'm a moron. Um, what it comes down to for me is if it's, there is a time and a place. All right. Use your words, Matt. What are you trying to say? I didn't feel connected with this family. And so why should I give a shit about anything that's happening? And like, while that can work in something like Friday the 13th, or even some of the later like Nightmare on Elm Street movies where it's like literally you know they're there for a body count. Mm-hmm. But Hereditary is being advertised like critic blurbs, one of the scariest films ever made. The, the modern day Exorcist. If the film isn't giving me a reason to care about the horrible things happening to these characters, scary shit, it's literally just a roller coaster then. Well, like it's it's great but i don't feel the same hurt or the same fear that they do um ari whatever the screenwriter and director i believe ari something i'm not sure um he like specifically said that he was trying to make a family movie (laughs) so like he was trying really hard to make people care about the family and that's why i do think it's funny that we're both actually feeling pretty disconnected from the family because that was his whole the whole point and that's like kind of the actor's points too is Mm -hmm. that they all just wanted you to feel connected to these characters and admittedly like i did but it was sort of difficult to like 
Like, if you're going to do a movie that's that by the numbers in the second sequence, you mm. know, um, you would think that you'd be a little bit more by the numbers in terms of, like, who the audience is supposed to identify with. Like, right. like are we, like, maybe we're just supposed to, like, payment? Is that it? Are we supposed to just be, like, into that? Like, I don't know. And don't that's, know. That, it, it that's is. something it's that, tough. did you see It Comes at Night? No. It Comes at Night is another film uh, released by A24. Mm. And I loved It Comes at Night, but It Comes at Night had a similar problem where it's like you're you're stuck with this family, but the family, like, it isn't funny. It isn't, like, quirky. It's oh. just, like, weird. Like, oh. and But then again, the, and It Comes at Night, they at least have an excuse because they live in this weird, indescript apocalypse. Mm. Hereditary is just a normal family where... But post-trauma-ish. Post-trauma-ish, which doesn't even really seem to matter yeah, by no, the, right. the end of it. And their grandma dies, and they're all like, eh, fuck it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Except for Charlie. And, like, really sad. the only thing is... The only thing is like, I'm out. Oh, I'm I, I'm I'm just giving you the signal. We got a few other topics to get to. Right. Not to cut you off too much. No, it's okay. It's true. The other, I don't know. That's that was my take on Hereditary. I feel you. All right. Okay, but other witches in cinema. Um, I'll talk about Slice real quick. Uh, oh yeah, because I didn't see that. But my, I, my old, uh, this is just more like my like two-minute review of Slice. Slice is a movie that was just released, famously starring Chance the Rapper. Um, It's a movie about uh, this apparent werewolf that has made a return to a city where ghosts exist and live in their own community. And it started, this werewolf has apparently started murdering uh, pizza delivery people. Dope. Um, Where it turns out to be, there's... Honestly, like a kind of political standpoint between like trying to get the ghosts eradicated and this witch a group of witches that are involved Whoa. and Chance the Rapper caught in the middle of it as this werewolf who is in fact innocent. Huh. If you're a fan of tradi- again going kind of back to Mandy, if you're a fan of traditional eighties B movies, uh like Attack of the uh Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I think you'll fuck with this movie. It has a lot of humor. A lot of uh, fun gore, some really over-the-top performances, and some really great practical effects, and some cheesy CG ones. It's paced really well. It's like 80 minutes, so it feels like a breeze. Um, it has enough mystery. It's almost like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Like oh, It's cute. kind of fun. You kind of fi- try and figure out, along with everyone, what is going on. Um, the soundtrack is really good by uh, Ludwig Goranson. Um, who has done movies? He's he did the soundtrack for Creed. That's the biggest oh, thing okay. I know of, him of. But I think he's also a hip hop producer. I could be completely wrong, but huh. I think that's why the Chance the Rapper connection. Yeah, I've, because the director and writer of this film directed some of Chance's music videos, okay. to my knowledge, and he just kind of wrote this weird horror comedy that he wanted to do. I feel and, like such an old person because every like that that whole element. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> but see, I, I'm not the biggest hip hop head, and like I don't listen to Chance the Rapper. I this is just stuff that I did my like some research on. It looked goofy. It looked it's, like it'd be it's fun. goofy. It's fun. It's literally the perfect movie for Halloween because it feels like a Scooby Doo mystery. It's funny. It's gross, and <laughs> it has some really cool like horror elements to it. I recommend it. I would get recommend checking it out if you can find any anywhere. If you can't, wait for it to come out on video or something else because it's 
it's just a lot of fun. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're about fun because we're the funnest fucking people you've ever listened to. So check out Slice, um, hopefully in a cinema near you. Otherwise, uh, wait for it to come out on video. Um, going on more the topic of witches, Suspiria, the remake, has a new trailer that just came out fairly recently. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, well, um, so I think, did, did we talk about the, the original Suspiria trailer? I'm sure we did. We probably touched on it or something. A little bit, okay. yeah. We, we ta- well, we talked about the fact that pre-screenings of a certain scene made people, like, ill. Oh, right, right, right. Um, well, I guess, okay, so I have a few thoughts, as always. Um, a lot of people I've noticed have been complaining because... I mean, in the original Suspiria, the color palette that was used was gorgeous and stark. The and last a lot film of contrast. shot on Technicolor, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, I didn't, I didn't know that. I said, "Yep," like I knew it. I didn't. Um, Who has their notes now? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually like the difference in color scheme that I've seen so far. How it's a little bit more muted and it looks. Almost, I mean, not quite the same as like the those two thousands horror movies that were all like practically grayscale, but yeah. not quite. Um, it's like wintry. Yeah, wintry. That's a good word. I like that. Um, I but <laughs> I like that contrast. I like because to me it implies that they're not trying to make the exact same movie, and I don't think they should because I don't think that they can. The director has stated that he is trying to evoke the emotion that he felt okay. first seeing Suspiria versus Ooh. trying to do a one-to-one remake I of like it. that. I like that. I also, um, for my interpretation, um, sort of the art of dance is a little bit more of a factor in this yes. film than it was in the original. And I am really looking forward to that being used because there's a lot that can be done with the human body um, in the form of dance. And I and it sounds like they're doing a lot from it with yeah, it in yeah. terms of fucked up horror. Exactly. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to be really cool and really different and really interesting to see. And, and I like all these new elements, but I like that it's keeping the sort of same mood because dance obviously was an important factor in the first one, but it just mm-hmm. like the art itself wasn't really used. It was more much. like a plot point yeah. to get like this girl there. Yeah. You know, she was a great dancer and it was a great dance academy. Mm-hmm. By but, the way, See the original Suspiria. If you oh haven't. yeah, if you haven't, it's Jesus! One of the most beautifully shot movies, and it feels like you're descending into the worst nightmare imaginable. Mm-hmm. So, or the best one, or the best one. Perspective, true. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, what are your thoughts? I th- I think exactly the same. I think. Well, I don't think it'll be as good as the original. I'm interested to see it because mm-hmm. it actually looks like, it looks like a remake with a purpose. Whereas, right. like you see the trailer for. The Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and it's like, uh, oh, they're not doing a single new thing right. with it. This, this looks, looks like different. they are really trying to evoke something new. Yeah, they're I mean, doing something new with the story because the, mood the feels original cool. Suspiria, and this is one, of, and this may be something that might be a problem with the remake, but the original Suspiria has a very loose story. Yeah, yeah, and this one. They're I, they're trying to set it up as having more story, which already, whether it works or not, we'll see, gives it a new identity. They've got a new color palette, which um, sets it apart from what makes the original so famous. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting, they're treating it as its own movie with right. like 
it more like a reimagining than an actual one-to-one remake, which I think is a good move because Suspiria is one of the most uh, fundamental and crucial horror movies of the seventies. Mm-hmm. In a in a sense, I kind of like that because that's a good point. They they do seem to be elaborating a little bit more on what happens in the film mm-hmm. uh, instead of just sort of alluding to it and. Like, one of the attitudes that I have with books um, that are then turned into movies is that sometimes I would rather see the movie first and then read the book, even though, like, that seems blasphemous to a lot of, like, novel readers out there. Um, Just because, you know, it doesn't ruin either of the things. You can just see them both differently. It's two different medias. And one is... Two different pieces. Yeah. And, you know, the book would elaborate on the movie rather than the movie, like just taking small elements from the book that which, may, that's a good way so, of viewing it actually i yeah and i i agree and i usually try to do that if i haven't already read the book and that's why i like this a little bit is because it seems like if they're elaborating on the plot then we can still enjoy the first one for what it is um and i mean obviously this is like going to be a new like it's a new element and stuff so it's not it might not be exactly what the original plot was supposed to be but Supposed to be taking place in the same time, though. Yeah. Which is interesting. 1977. Which I think is interesting to see it, again, more downplayed and not like, oh, we're all wearing Star Wars t-shirts and yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, um, I can is, be. I'm, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm excited. I'm not excited. I am interested in the remake of reboot of Suspiria. I think it'll be worth it. It'll be worth seeing seeing because they've already established that they're going to be something, whether it works or not, they're going to be something new, doing something new Mm -hmm. with the source material. The other uh, big draw of this movie is uh, Tom York doing the soundtrack for it of uh, Radiohead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Tom York will be doing the soundtrack for it. Uh, One of my friends is beyond excited for it because he's a huge Radiohead fan but um yeah that's our thoughts on the Suspiria remake so I move into the more editorial piece of this segment about witches is this renaissance that witches have seen in popular culture where like in the 80s you had the slasher uh, villain and like in the 50s you had it was all science fiction aliens and monsters and we're seeing a sort of renaissance with the witch and the supernatural and the occult and Jolin is very passionate on the subject I will do my best to try like I have something intelligent to say because <laughs> I, sure I feel I, I like the subject a lot I just don't know how to formulate it into words. So I will give it to Jolyn. Hopefully I'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with, you called me a witch earlier and I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm like a witch because that implies that I'm like a practicing Wiccan. she's green and white rides a broom <laughs> or that. Um, uh, cause I don't, I'm, I'm not really Wiccan and I'm not, I'm not really a pagan or anything like that. Um, I've, I've read a lot about it. Um, so that's what I'll say. And I do find it really interesting. I like the history of it and I hope to continue more to learn more and more about it. Um, because I just find it a very interesting subject. So I know a bit about it, but I don't know if I would really genuinely call myself a witch. I know people who do. And, um, to be fair, I called you a witch because I'm a, like an escape killer and grand scientist, but that's fair. I'm being, also, I'm being a little bit PC. <laughs> uh, that's that's fair because I'm bad at that. So. No, no, no. It's just well, 
Okay, so on this subject, part of the reason I'm saying that is because, and I have very mixed feelings about this whole ordeal, but there is a big, a big-ish thing in the news, at least in terms of people that I know, about Sephora releasing something called a Starter Witch Kit, and it it had like a oh. it had like a deck of tarot cards, a little uh, white sage, like a smudging stick, um, a ro- rose quartz crystal, and um, a broom. Maybe, maybe a broom. I'm not sure. <laughs> I need to. Uh, I'm done with the joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, but they they discontinued it because so many people complained. Um, and like one of the things I learned is actually completely legitimate, and it's because of the white sage thing that is pretty offensive because that's like prevalent in a lot of like other religious cultures too, and it's an endangered plant. Like that's oh. that's big in like Native American culture as well. Um, so it's like. That that's actually a little offensive to like mass produce something like that. Um, but See, this is why I bring Jolene on the show. I didn't know any of this shit. Yeah, well, I'm I over didn't hear like oh, <laughs> green. It's a... <laughs> no, it's but okay. It's it's becoming more of a trend now. I think because I mean, all... I do at least know that like Wicca and Wicca is yeah, whatever you call uh, it is an Wicca. actual practice yeah i just yeah. don't know much about it yeah see that's and that's what i've been reading a lot about because there are a lot of different aspects to witchcraft there are different cultures that it's involved with um like paganism has a lot of branches um there's like santeria in mexico and um there are like elements of quote-unquote witchcraft that you could find also in like native american culture there's a lot of cultures have have sort of fueled what what i think wicca is now um but uh i mean like i did i guess i didn't realize how trendy it necessarily was until i was i went downtown one time like out at a bar i mean that terms of downtown oh wow i hated it it was the worst (laughs) um but the one time that i did that uh, it was like a saturday night it was horrible um oh my god you poor thing (laughs) yeah thank you um I went to the bathroom and I was wearing a Ouija board t-shirt and I was like washing my hands or some stupid bullshit. And a girl comes up to me and she's like, excuse me, are you a witch? I was like, yes. Because if anybody asks you that question, you always say yes. (laughs) Um, So I was like, yes, why? If you say you're a god, you say yes. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and then the girl was just like, me and my friend are witches. We could totally tell. I was just like, Oh. And then I just kind of walked away like, uh, cause, was it because of my Ouija board t-shirt? Is that it? That's but, funny. But yeah, no, it's like, it's <laughs> it's become a thing. And I think it's like, it's more of like a, a kind of feminist movement. I think it's like an offshoot of that. I think I think women are seeing an outlet of power that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of like meditation to it. And, you know, it, it's very, it's up for like personal interpretation. A lot of it is. Um, and in a sense, I do think that that's important. That aspect of it is really important because it is a lot of just sort of like focusing your own energy and and finding like inner peace and finding like a relationship with the universe around you and other people. And in that sense, it's beautiful. It's it's almost like, you know, like Buddhism or something, mm-hmm. you know, it there's it's a good idea. It just it, it is becoming a little trendy and a little bit just like a that's kind of thing, thing that people in throw around is like. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion, probably not for this podcast, yeah. but like, I get what you mean. Please yeah. continue. I'm no, sorry. no, you're fine. I interrupt you. But it, I, I think there were like several waves of, of people finding interest in 
those kind of religions like paganism or what have you. Um, I think like in the seventies when feminism was really becoming a little bit more, had a little bit more oomph, I think that, that spurred a little bit. And then, you know, of course when like the craft came out, people were just all bonkers over being Wiccan then. Mm-hmm. Although that was actually kind of cool. Cause I, I recently learned that Feruza Balk was like actually a practicing like Wiccan at mm-hmm. the time. Um, so she like really contribu- contributed to the making of the film. So it was pretty accurate in terms of what Wiccans believed at the time. Uh, cause she really cared about it and it, it was cool. Um, I only laugh because you know, what's embarrassing and how like I learned that Wicca, it was an actual like thing that hmm. people practiced. Blair Witch 2. <laughs> oh my God. Blair Witch 2 is so bad. It's so good. It though. is very oh bad. Oh my God. But, there's a character but yeah, in that she's, movie. A, she's, she's a Wicca. A Wicca. Wiccan. She's a and Wiccan. that was the first time I was like, oh, so this is like an actual thing that, I mean, oh it's not God. represented well in the movie, but apparently it's an actual thing. <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, so I, you know, it, it's definitely been a little bit more on the rise. And I think like, Movies that are sort of referencing those kind of things are are probably going to continue to be fairly popular. Because, I mean, you know, we've had movies about witches for forever. I mean, like, in the 80s, we had, like, The Witches of Eastwick. And, you know, in the 70s, we had Suspiria. And, you know, it, it all... It all comes from probably, like, satanic panic. And, and that's probably where it started. But then feminism, like... That's a know, great phrase. Satanic panic? make that a band or I'm something. I'm sure that that probably Satanic exists already. Panic. That's so good. Uh, there's uh, this performer in Chicago, Red Rum, who I absolutely love. She she does a lot of horror-related stuff, and she's just absolutely fantastic. Um, I think she produces a show in Chicago that's called Satanic Panic, and, you know, it's a lot of like... I'm make that a book or something, at least. I'm, I don't know. Just I'm sure it phrase, is I'm something, sure. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. fuck it. I'm pretending it's something i'm gonna do now but yeah um so i i think like i don't think it's necessarily bad that uh wicca or paganism is necessarily popular because i think it has a good overall it has a good influence i think because feeling more connected to people isn't a bad thing or to the earth or whatever it's not bad um and I guess, like, even, like, psychics and stuff, I know it's all hokey and ridiculous, but even they, in a sense, I think they have, like, good intentions because it's, like, you know, they're just sort of helping you answer your own questions and come to terms with your own, like, things in your own subconscious. You know, that's why things are so vague when they respond. It's so you can sort of, like, add your own answer to it, and then you're just sort of, like, answering your own questions. So even though it's, like, all kind of... I wouldn't say it's necessarily supernatural. I think it's like a legitimate religion that should be regarded as such, you know? Cool. That's that's my bit. <laughs> cool. Um, the little bit I can contribute is to the fact is that since I know v- next to nothing about the whole religion movement, um, uh, whatever you, you want to call it, whatever word is correct, the reason why I think it permeates our pop culture now is the idea of, and this, this I'm not sure the more I think about this, is if this is correct, but like the idea of groupthink and how we try to do things that fit into the norm mm-hmm. and like political correctness, blah, blah, whatever you have, that sort of kowtows to that whole idea of groupthink when you look at something traditionally, not being a statement on Wiccaism, 
Wiccanism. 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 Wicca. Wicca. I think Wicca. I think that being a statement on Wicca, what have you. Um, witches fit into that, mm-hmm. where they're a, a group of like-minded individuals that have a same goal, and I think that's why we see whether it's filmmakers directly making a commentary on society or not. Uh, that's up for debate as well. I think that's why we're starting to see it more because we live more in a society of people wanting to fit in and have something similar to believe in and move in the same goal. And I think that's personally my reason why I think we have this renaissance of witches in popular media. Mm-hmm. Graham, do you have anything to add on the subject? Nope, but I agree that Blair Witch 2 is a bad movie. Yes. <laughs> Blair Witch 2 is a fucking bad movie. And Blair Witch, the third one, is not much better. So I didn't see it. I, I haven't seen it. I liked like it. A... I liked half of it when, uh, I was in, when we saw it in the theaters. Yeah, I mean, there's like moments that are pretty decent. Like some of the callbacks to the original, but I don't think it really works overall as a movie. I think it's really rushed. It really is. And, and that's what we talked about the first half of that movie, whereas the whole first movie is a buildup of insanity they try to cram that into like 20 minutes where like they spend one night in the forest and they're like fuck we need to go right now yeah there's no subtlety at all it just jumps to the to the conflict right off the bat but when that chick gets snapped in half dude the deaths are pretty cool and the ending is pretty cool i feel like i'm missing so much here no carry on the ending without spoiling it is pretty cool like it's that's why after like shit hits the fan then i think okay well they're at least giving us like a a creepy balls to the wall horror movie. Like story's gone at this point. It's just you just whack that microphone, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're fired again. Can you believe how many times you've been fired? The microphone. I heard I it. Actually, oh. I heard it, but oh, it was just the spring. I think. Sorry. Matt's hands just bleeding. He just didn't even recognize. It. <laughs> I've been there actually. Um, that's how I got the scar, and that's not even no. a Dark Knight reference. I will oh. say this is not much of a spoiler because I'm pretty sure Joe like this I movie mean, is also four years. Not four. years. Years. Two, two years, years old. I can't believe point. it's already two years old. Yeah, I still haven't even seen it. I probably should. But yeah, uh, fine. You can spoil they it. do reveal the witch like briefly. So I mean, oh. it like it's it's and according to the directors, like that's not really its final form or whatever. Or it's not really the witch. It they <laughs> had an excuse. Well, <laughs> well, the way I view it is like uh, it, I think that might be their cover for. Well, the design didn't look as good as design we is shit. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing is like we both we talked about when we first came out is like if they showed it once and it was like a figure darting behind a tree. Which then they, it would it would have been like they did that, and that but then cool. like immediately after they showed it more of it, oh, and then no. by the end of it they showed it for like a full second. Honestly, oh, like I, I and it's like such a generic looking gross monster. It's I you know honestly I think about it more and more and like for years I wanted them to make an, another sequel to Blurge because I'm like I wanted the resolution, but now that I look back, I I hate to say it, I kind of regret that desire because i think the first one as so many people have said in the past like the the beauty of the first one is like you don't really know what's Mm -hmm. actually terrorizing them and the theories is what always made it fun and then when you kind of you the same capitalize on that it's a backstory yeah like like when you capitalize that and you try to explain it um you know years later in the new one it just for whatever reason it just doesn't work it reiterates the fact that once again the imagination 
is the most powerful tool when mm-hmm. it comes to you know ambiguous type movies like the Blair Witch and I um you know I I don't think Blair and then that's like I think Blair Witch the 2016 movie has some good moments and like I do like it also has a lot of moments that make no fucking sense yeah like I think there's like that one dude that's traveling through time but the rest of them aren't and it's yeah he's like uh you know I've been gone for weeks or something like that like it's really weird and they kind of played like there's theories about the first one like time travel is a part of it but um I think that overall I'm like, man, I, I am almost upset that they made it. And I like I know they're never going to make another one. I mean, I'm pretty certain they won't um, unless something's changed. I don't, think the, I don't think the last one was very successful financially. No, so I, I just think that um, I think they could have just left the first one be. And I think the the uh, the theories on the first one, like the original, were what made that one live on because people never really knew what was out there and then when they show it and they show really what they, i don't right. know it just takes away that aspect like i always like the idea well, of like the whole thing was it a witch whole... was it just a bunch of hillbillies was it josh and, and mike working together was it them all just going nuts because they were like out in the woods yeah like, like what was the real explanation when I mean, you're, you're like that's the blair witch yeah it's, like it takes away fun. everything yeah. well but, that's like i yeah, mean continue oh i'm so, this is kind of off topic and i know we don't really have time that for that probably but they came out with a slender man movie yeah, they just, I didn't get to see it. Huh, they just straight up showed Slenderman so much, and it was just kind of like, ah. I heard it's <laughs> really bad. I yeah, heard it was, it was bad, bad, too. Like, I wanted to see it, but all the fucking Marcus theaters weren't showing it because some fucking bitch got stabbed here or something. No, I'm no, just was, kidding. Oh, that's, that's, that's a horrible tragedy, yeah, and I understand Waukesha. why they didn't show it. But I had to go to Kenosha. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, you should feel really bad about yourself there, Matt. I don't. But <laughs> and once again, you're well, fired. Okay, She's the, alive. <laughs> well, okay. She's and fine. <laughs> in this movie's defense, it was not about the girls stabbing anybody. It was about Slenderman like, right. taking children or whatever, which was the original fucking... It's about the, what the story actually is. Yeah, and it was like written and stuff by the same dude who, who did Marble Hornets and bullshit. So it's like... <laughs> He was a part of stuff, and so it, it was good for what it was. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you were younger and you saw, like, the Slenderman stuff and it creeped you out, and now that you're older, you're a little bit like, I wonder what a real movie would be like right. with that. I think you'll kind of like it, because I kind of did. You well, know? see, that's my thing, too, and we talked about this on uh, an earlier podcast, is I wanted this movie back in 2013, right, yeah, 2014. Exactly. The yeah. fact that it came out now is like... Uh, a little bit of a waste, yeah. Fuck? Like, the whole, the whole <laughs> child crowd that it catered to when it first came out is too old to enjoy that movie right. now so that halloween trailer right right here we go that's right <laughs> yeah because i brought up michael myers um as we've mentioned trailers i should actually say sorry to cut yeah, you off because we haven't recorded in a while Numero there are dos. two trailers now for the new dos. halloween if you haven't been following the podcast i am stoked the fuck for this new halloween movie david Matt gordon Graham Green. have huge halloween boners Always. David Gordon Green is directing it, co-written by Danny McBride of Pineapple Express frame. Frame. Fame. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is returning. Uh, Judy Greer is playing her daughter. Uh, Nick Castle is returning as Michael Myers. When he's walking around, he's like 60-something. He's probably not doing the stunt work anymore. I don't think he is. But not only that, John Carpenter is producing it. He's doing the music for it. There are two trailers released for it. Jolin and Graham, what the fuck do you think? I'll go really quickly. First okay. trailer is pretty fun. 
The second one's terrible. Yeah. I, I think the second one's like a really bad trailer. Yeah. Like, because it, it, it not only does it like, I don't think it's just well edited. It just doesn't deliver anything new. And once again, I wanted them to keep as much of it under wraps. But like, honestly, I, there were legit sequences they just pulled from the first trailer and moved over to the yeah. second one. Mm-hmm. I think personally, just based on how much I enjoyed the first trailer, which even that one to me wasn't like amazing but it was enough to be like okay i'm totally seeing it not that i wasn't gonna see the movie to begin mm-hmm. with but it was like okay that was pretty decent callback like it, it gets you pumped up but they could have just left it at that they didn't need a second trailer they could have just started making tv spots mm-hmm. with the clips from the first trailer i mean i get it like the the norm now is you want to probably have about two official trailers per movie like that's kind of the standard it yeah. seems like in hollywood nowadays but honestly i didn't see anything like new in that second trailer that added anything Mm -hmm. and i just don't think it was like it was just weirdly kind of just a sloppy yeah trailer like it just looked like they put it together within a few days because they're like oh shit we're about a month out probably should throw another one up there to remind people um i don't know i just thought the first trailer did the job and then the second one was just like eh, whatever (laughs) like that's Uh, cool it's coming out still (laughs) yeah and that's like one of the things i noticed in the second trailer was that like a couple of like the i think jump scares they sounded musically like they were supposed to be jump scares but the the film that they showed was just sort of like um what is that, am i supposed to be scared right now like mm-hmm. like there's like a huge like dun dun when he just like walks into the kitchen and then turns left and that's it like there's nothing there it's he just like walks into the kitchen turns left and then boom boom it's just like come on come on what yeah. what is that <laughs> it's just, um i mean Besides that, though, I really like the cast. Obviously, oh, like, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis looks great. I don't know who plays the two. I don't know who they're, what they're supposed to be like investigators or something. Or yeah, like, I don't know either. I think they're making a documentary. They're, they're basically they're, they're like br- yeah, they're making a documentary. They're about Loomis replacements essentially. Yeah, it seems from like the way it sounds. Um, and then uh, what's his name? Will Patton plays the sheriff now. Apparently, I didn't know that. Um, he's just sort of like a character actor that's uh-huh. been popping up in things. Uh, for a while now yeah he i mean he looks like a good stoic detective that that character that's like you're overreacting everything's fine and then you know obviously shit's gonna hit the fan Mm -hmm. um yeah i think it looks real i think it looks it looks pretty fun it looks like it's gonna capture um the halloween spirit very effectively i like the take of jamie lee curtis being like almost a your next type i'm gonna fight back yeah, yeah she's so mental. badass yeah, yeah i, I think that's that. a really nice new take especially considering the fact the last halloween uh with the rob zombie the scout taylor compton rendition was very like very well, let's just say the opposite like ve- like not like willing to fight back in a lot of ways being yeah. very sort of um i'm just looking i'm totally blanking on the word typical I'm trying to use. damsel in distress. yeah exactly Submissive. and i think even Submissive. the like like original halloween with jamie lee curtis kind of did a similar thing it's been a while since i've seen the sequel I mean, so Lori, jamie lee curtis's character in the first one Fights back. Fights back. And is at least smart. I mean, she does... And everyone's like, oh, she shouldn't run upstairs. It's like, yeah, it was the first movie to do those tropes. But, But, like, she was at least doing shit yeah yeah but movie. i think they took that that like foundation and took it or taking it to the next level in mm. this new one and i think uh i like that perspective because if you didn't do anything new with her if you didn't have that added perspective i feel like it i don't know it'd be kind of like more of the same 
Right. And I think that's... And I'm curious to see what else, when this movie comes out, they kind of mix up and they try to add something, you know, new things to it. Because mm-hmm. my, my biggest fear at the end of the day, while I'm still, you know, super excited for this movie and, you know, everything looks pretty solid so far, I'm just worried we might get caught up in the nostalgia and caught yeah. up in the fact it's a new Halloween movie. Like, I want there to be a unique take. I want them to kind of push up boundaries and kind of change. Let me be surprised. Let me um, meet the unexpected in this mm-hmm. movie. Cause that's, what's really going to set it apart. That's what's going to get me to really be invested. Um, because I don't want it to be a circumstance where I go in there. I enjoy it for what it is. And I get that sort of nostalgia and like that, that feeling of Halloween. Then I walk out and that wears off mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, what did I really see? Yeah. Um, so, but I'm, like I said, I'm not saying that's good, what's going to happen, but I'm, if I have any type of concern for this movie, just in general, I think that'd be the only one. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right, Jolene, to you. Um, I guess I'm a little bit bummed that they're just like erasing like every other Halloween movie other than the first one. Cause I'm it's like, not, but I, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. Cause I, I liked the second one and I really liked the third one. Um, I mean, the third one takes place in some yeah, continuity. It's, yeah, it's totally though, different. So. Um, I fucking love that one. I hear that they're but, actually going to make some references to the third one. Yeah, well, and that's what I what I kind of like, is it looks like they're just making references to those movies. Like, mm-hmm. they're taking some of the shots and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how I feel about them erasing the idea that Laurie is his sister. And I can't tell if, like, you know, that's just sort of like a misdirection for the thing, and they're really going to be like, oh, but he really is, you know? Um, I hope not. I know. I hope not too. But like the way it was said, it seemed a little bit like implied almost. I don't know if that was just my. I it didn't, just I didn't my feel like that. It's I just, thought. I, I thought that they were deliberately deliberately poking fun at yeah, the series. That, well, that's the thing is they could be doing that too, and they could be just trying to like totally revamp this. Because I mean, that's, for those of you that don't know, in the first trailer. Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, daughter, granddaughter, is, granddaughter is walking with her friends. And one of them's like, yeah, isn't Michael Myers her brother? And her friend and the daughter, granddaughter, Jesus, says, <laughs> no, that's just something that people made up. Yeah. So, so I guess, I mean, yeah, in a sense, it, if that is the track that they're going, if they are really just like totally erasing the other films, um, I like it's a little bit of a bummer because I liked the sequel, but I think it, it could be powerful just as that, just as like a continuation of the first one. Cause I mean, you know, Danny McBride did say in like that radio interview or whatever the fuck it was that it wasn't going to be like, it wasn't going to reference any of the other ones and it was going to be very different from that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm hoping that that's true. You know, uh, I think like I was saying kind of before, I'd rather see something new in terms of a remake than just like another version of the original so, which, I mean, a lot of those movies were just sort of like, oh, yeah. let's do the same thing again, but yeah. sort of different. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the Halloween series is a fucking mess. I like the third one a lot. The third one's great, and the second one's okay, despite yeah. being kind of tired. Four and five, I think, are shit. I, I don't think I've even seen those, because I just... Four and five, I think, not only are they shit, I think they're boring, yeah. Six, I have a weird guilty pleasure for because 90s slashers kind of do something for me. I get it. Even though not, uh, Halloween 6 is still a stupid movie, and when you throw in the, the difficult production and the producer's cut with that too, there's mm-hmm. too much going on with Halloween 6 that's even worth its own time because it's a stupid movie. Mm-hmm. Um, H2O, I think, is okay, um, but I don't think it's this like, god-tier horror movie that everyone makes out to be. 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, me neither. I, Halloween Resurre- Resurrection is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Rob Zombie's Halloween, I think, is a guilty pleasure of mine. When it's not being a remake, I think it's kind of interesting. And then Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I actually really like upon multiple views. Yeah, honestly, like, yeah, Rob Zombie movies, guilty pleasure of mine, too. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. I just, I've liked And if it you're too still long. listening. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a long one. Um, no, um, oh, yeah, no, you're right. I understand what you guys are saying about that second trailer. I didn't hate it as much as you guys did. My biggest problem with it was it showed too much Michael. Yeah. Um, I thought I liked the first trailer because it focused more on the mystery of him and ja- and, Lori, and, yeah. and Lori and Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Jamie Lee Curtis. I was talking with a, a coworker, and he's like, "I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis, I would take her out to dinner." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I would too." Yeah, Jamie oh, Lee yeah. Curtis has always been a babe. I'd do more than take her out to dinner. Yeah, I would oh. too. Um, <laughs> at the ripe age of 83, she's not that old. <laughs> no, <she's> not. <laughs> um, I'm. That being said, I'm still super fucking excited. It for does this look movie. really gory and fun. I'm, yeah, I I love. I, I've honestly started to love modern gore again because it's yeah. like. And I've heard they did a screening at some horror convention. It got really good reviews. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm excited for it. Um, the second trailer, yes, is lackluster, but the first trailer, perfectly encaptured what I needed the yeah. series to do and what I expected them to do. And I'm ex- excited. I don't think it's going to reinvent the wheel. The only thing that could top Mandy for my favorite film of the year, I think is this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to do that because Mandy was such a fucking powerhouse, yeah. but I'm Honest- still very excited for it. Yeah. See, like I, the thing about Mandy, I loved hereditary, like a whole fucking bunch, just like a lot of other people did. But Mandy, Mandy knocked my socks off but yeah no this one is going to be it looks like it's gonna be really cool too I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much Mm -hmm. though just in case you know because it's like I'm trying my best it's not working I know I'm trying my best um yeah Halloween coming out October 19th I believe see yep I wrote it down Uh I I only know that because I took off work I want to see it opening day be like the only time (laughs) I've seen a movie opening day in my life um apart no that's not true I saw Harry Potter something opening day hmm I can't remember which one. Um, moving on, though, to uh, films that are coming out in the near future. I open up the topic. Four movies that are coming out in the n- near future that you are excited for. Let's see. Okay. What do you think? Um, I guess, okay. I am excited for The House with the Clock in Its Walls. The new Eli. Really? I, I am. Because it's Eli Roth doing like kind of a family friendly movie. Like a Toby Hooper poltergeist situation. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Like, you no, know, I, I want to go see it, it because it's it, cute. <laughs> I want to go see it in IMAX because they're showing thriller and three D before Whoa. it in IMAX. Double feature, yeah, that sounds That's awesome. the only reason why I want to go see it. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. But yeah, no, I think like because Eli Roth films, I uh, they're like I'm on the fence about so far like everything he's done because a lot of it is like i like the gore i like how fucked up it is um but then also part of me feels like maybe he's just relying on that a little bit too much sometimes um he is a modern day exploitation director much like rob zombie is yeah yeah i just i don't know i guess i just i don't fully know how i feel about it like cabin fever was cool and it like i love that he made that um but then, like, and I, I liked Hostel. I thought that was a really cool idea, and I liked how gory and disgusting that was. Um, 
But again, it, that one, that's when it started to feel a little bit like, okay, now he's just, it's just gore. That's just his thing now. Um, and then the Green Inferno kind of felt that way a little bit too. Um, but Knock Knock was, of course, just like psychologically fucked up. And did were, you like Knock Knock? I still don't know to this okay. day. <laughs> I, I want to see Knock Knock because it sounds I, I think interesting. I think it's worth seeing. It's just it's fucked up. And I don't know if I like the way of like the kind of fucked up that it is. OK. But in terms of things that I actually am excited for, uh, also the house that Jack built. We kind of talked about that. That's oh, the November Lars 29th. von Trier movie. Yep. That's right. Uh, the one that had people like walking out in mm-hmm. the first screening. Um, and also like. I guess Von Trier was quoted saying that the movie celebrates the idea that life itself is evil and soulless. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, well, now I have to see this movie. Okay. Uh. <laughs> um, but one that we're both excited about is Hellfest. 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 I'm super into that. Hellfest. Because, uh, I mean, Tony Todd. Like, when I saw him in the, in the fucking yeah, preview, right. I was just like, dude, oh, my God. Dude, you know what made me excited when I finally saw the most recent preview? Hmm. R-rating. Oh, like I, I am so so because like that's why I I'm holding off on Happy Death Day because it's PG thirteen. Yeah, We're getting a new R rated slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad, there's gonna be some gross shit happening. Well, and I, I love the idea because it's sort of like I mean it's sort of like taking like a serial killer in a haunted house, but it's like a fucking horror festival, which an is an amusement even cooler. park. Yeah, it's huge. Like so I don't think I've ever seen a slasher movie that takes place in an amusement park before. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess not. Maybe not a slasher movie. There's got to be one that I'm. Just I'm sure there about. is, but um, but I like I think it's interesting because it's like a horror themed mm-hmm. amusement park. So it's like it adds that element of like, oh, what if a killer was in a haunted house, and then it mixes with, oh, what if a killer was in an amusement park, and then Tony Todd's also in it. So yeah, and it's coming out tw- September 28th. I think we yep. decided was the date, yes. and so you should see that because we're gonna see it, and it's gonna be super fucking cool. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited for Hellfest. Really excited for Hellfest. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, it looks like a ton of fun. And yeah. it looks like it looks pretty again. It, like from the, all the trailers, it looks like the lighting and the sets and stuff is gonna be really cool. Mm-hmm. So, Graham, what horror movies are you excited for coming out this year? All of them. Oh, yeah. Come on. No, I uh, mostly Halloween. I would yeah. say I, I can't think of many off the top of my head that I'm like, ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up as early as I can to see that movie. I think Halloween's the only one that I, I'm definitely gonna go to opening night and like enjoy. So and I think yeah, I, I'm trying I'm just trying to make sure I'm not forgetting anyone that that I was super excited about. But yeah, I think Halloween takes that prize, and I think it's gonna be a uh, a complete force come October. And I don't I don't think there's uh, many other horror movies this year besides hereditary that will have the same impact in pop culture mm-hmm. so anybody have any opinions about the nun <laughs> have no, not I seen do it i give a single shit i know Wait, i don't give a shit is either, that related but... to the conjuring yeah, yeah it's the no. same universe yeah or just something. like i don't know i'm just so tired of those movies and i keep hearing from like so many horror buffs that they're so into the conjuring movies and i still don't fucking get it i um enjoy the first conjuring i think the last half of it is just loses me a little bit mm-hmm. um because it kind of becomes a typical exorcist type movie yeah i have not seen the second one so i can't say anything yeah I but i had no interest in seeing are there two annabelles at this point yeah there are i thought God. there were three wasn't there a third Holy one or is the third shit. one coming if there out? are then i have totally <laughs> lost i know track. there's two <laughs> I, know, I think maybe okay maybe you're confusing with the nun that could be possible i'll look I, it I don't up know. Uh, I don't know. the nun I, it could yeah. have also been like it's a entirely possible that, that there's a new annabelle coming up though i'm a little james wand out right now <laughs> 
yeah, I'm not gonna no, lie. Like I love same James here. Wan and everything he's done up to this point. Like I think it's getting to a point where there's and, I, and he produced this, so technically it doesn't really count. But I don't know. I think that uh, I'm glad that he's sort of stepping away from the horror genre for a while and just taking on the Aquaman movie. I mean, I don't really oh, give a shit about re- the Aquaman movie, but I'm like, I didn't know just, he was doing that. The third Annabelle is coming out next year. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that uh, that style the whole insidious haunted house type style that yeah. we've been getting it's um it works great and like i said i, I really enjoy the first insidious yeah, I, I, was, lo- I like the yeah. first conjuring and except for the ending that's the thing um, is i feel like those work for like the first one but then why keep going yeah i don't know money i yeah, guess that's boo. that's that's the uh the key how well did Ins- insidious like didn't the fourth one come out like earlier this year and no know. one talked about it yeah I don't, um I but i just yeah i don't know I, honestly there's like already seven paranormal activities it's yeah, like when fuck the fuck those. did that happen does that include the spinoff i'm pretty it's like yeah, seven yeah. or six yeah it's like six or, yeah there's a spinoff yeah it's, it's like, like the like ghost little... dimension it's not numbered oh, so that no 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 that made... uh it's the marked ones because it's like oh. the latino latino whatever the spin-off. fuck it's like whenever it's not numbered that either means it's a spin-off or they stop giving a shit and mm-hmm. it's like yeah. too many movies for one universe me thinks yeah i don't like movies <laughs> um it shows g- going off of what you two said obviously halloween and hellfest i'm super stoked for the only other one that comes to my mind is something that i saw one trailer for for off of happenstance it's called anna and the apocalypse oh yeah you mentioned it that. is a zombie comedy musical I don't know what the fuck, if it'll be good or not, or cringe, or but I love musicals. I have a background in theater. My mom was a music teacher, raised me on classical theater and stuff like that, and I love zombies, so fuck me sideways. I'll give it a try. Is that coming out November 30th? I thought Something I read like about that. it. Yeah, yeah it's, it it's like right the around of, the holidays. Yeah, end of November. Because it's, I think it's Christmas related, too. Right. Yeah, which, I was kind of reading about that. Know, it kind of sounds fun. Yeah, it does sound fun. Um... I'm down for original mu- movie musicals. Hell what what else did we have in the last few years? La La Land. That was it. That was original. Hmm. Otherwise, you'd have to go all the way back to fucking Moulin Rouge. And, uh. Oh, I liked Moulin Rouge. I like Moulin, Ru- Moulin Rouge too, but it's a bad movie, dude. I I don't know. I I let's put a pin in that. I don't know about that. <laughs> Moulin Rouge is bad, but I Whatever. love it. Um, you know what? And I think we're going to wrap it up there. I did have one more topic, but I think we're going to save it for another time. Yeah, that might be good. Um, episode. I think. I have no idea how long this has been going. It is an hour and 36. Oh, it's not that's too not bad. So bad. Um, <laughs> we'll save it for another time, though, um, just so I don't fight Jolan on how shitty Moulin Rouge oh, is. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for la- uh, listening, laughing, hopefully, as well. I can't talk. Graham, as always, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you're, you've been fired so many times, but yet I still appreciate it. Touch the microphone once. You also spilled on the floor. And then yeah, but that didn't pick You're a up. mess. You're a mess, Matt. You're this is mess. an intervention. It's my first day recording after nine years. It's Come three, me some it's slack. Like three months, and I, I still I round it up. So, like 11 pages here, sir. Really? Yeah. Well, 11 we're definitely, pages. definitely putting a pin on this. To no, me, I, 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 Jolin. Nope. No, what were you gonna say? No, <laughs> that sounded like he was about to like reprimand you. <laughs> no, that's not what. That's not what was no, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm done with everything that is on this clipboard. I talked about it. We're good. You're so full of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> Jolene, as always, thank you for being on the show. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having we me. We shall be returning in October. Every Saturday. Oh, every Saturday. Yes. Every Saturday. So oh, you God. hold your fucking yes. notes, and we got, you, you salty Sandra. We'll I definitely will. be uh, putting together some like fun new no, I don't want to call them seg. Well, yeah, segments would be definitely the word I was. Looking for. I always call them sketches, um, but no segments uh, to keep it keep it new and fresh. You know. And what are those, Graham? We haven't decided those yet, but I know oh, they're yeah. going to happen. <laughs> and I'm your host, Matt Schaefer. So, as always, we return to our coffins as the sun rises once again. And once it dips back down below the horizon, we will emerge to terrorize the streets. Have a groovy evening, everyone. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in-store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in-stores only. Don't tell the Easter bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in-stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420. In-stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in-store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in-stores only. Don't tell the Easter bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in-stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420. In-stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals.